Chapter 5 It was dark in the tunnel. James could hear the badger up ahead, shuffling along quickly. He felt the urge to turn his torch on so he could keep from bumping his head or tripping. However, he was afraid that the badger would not take kindly to more light, so he stumbled along blindly, trying to keep up. The tunnel went gently down and wound round in a loose spiral, gradually tightening until they came to a large wooden door. The badger opened it with a giant paw and led them into a large hall. It was just how James remembered it, with bookcases, a large throne, a huge wooden table, and various old paintings of past kings on the walls. The ceiling was surprisingly high, with a large circular wooden chandelier hanging from it. The chandelier was covered with old, drooping, yellow wax candles which weren't lit. The light in the hall was provided by old-fashioned torches in black iron brackets placed at head height every few metres along the walls. There was also a dark orange glow from the dying embers of a fire in the hearth of a huge stone fireplace. That was where the king went to sit, in a large armchair close to the fire. He gestured for James to take the second armchair on the other side of a low table. Both chairs partly faced the fire and partly faced the table. There was an old chessboard on the table with a partially played game in progress. James sat down and sunk deep into the old chair, so deep that he was almost lying down. He pulled himself up and decided it was better to perch on the edge. The fabric was rough and tough, but comfortable, with a familiar smell to it like dried tea leaves. He looked at the chessboard and saw that all the pieces were animals. The black king, he noticed, was a badger. "'Sorry to drag you out of bed,' the king began, his old rough voice sounding slightly less grumpy than it had outside. "'But it looks like you've got mixed up in some trouble.' James braced himself ready to be told off for getting himself involved in things that were none of his business. That fox clan are trouble. Rovers would never have dared enter Brighton in the past. And breaking the sentinels? That was a bold move. And I think it upset old Hegel. He's been guarding the sentinels for nearly forty years. Hegel, the hedgehog we met, has been guarding the elms for forty years, James asked. Yes. Grumpy old hog, but he did his best. Loved those old trees as much as anyone. Would have broken his heart to see those rovers come rampaging. But it's worse than that. Do you still have that key, the one to the subterrane? Yes, James said, thinking of the squiducken key tucked safely by his bed. That's good. You need to keep that key safe. It can unlock more than just tunnels to an underground river, you know. If Chimera gets her paws on it, then the magpies could get their beaks on the stone of Brighthelm. And that is about as bad a thing as can happen in these parts. The magpies? Yes, the confounded corvids, crows, magpies, rooks, ravens, jays, and so on. Same family, but none of them get on with each other. The worst are the magpies, always trying to get one up on the others. Damn near chased the jays all the way out of Sussex. But now, they're fixed on the crows. The crows currently hold the high ground, and for corvids, the high ground is what dictates the winner. So the crows are up here. Up here? The badger looked confused for a moment. Oh, yes, the hill fort. The crows are all over it. They rule this hill, the highest in the city, and that means they rule Brighton. But you humans are always interfering. James had thought he was in the clear, but braced himself for a telling off again. Not you, boy, but others. Constantly changing things and messing things up for us animals. Corvids are birds that like high points. The high point on the sea border of the town used to be Sussex Heights, and that building is ruled by a pair of peregrine falcons who keep the lesser birds at bay. 
But then the humans built a new high point, and the crows saw an opportunity. The donut, James thought aloud. I mean the I-360. World's stupidest abacus, I call it. But yes, that ridiculous tower to take you humans up in the air and look at the sea. The crows got in first and claimed it. There's a nest at the very top that's always got a few birds in it. It means they really are the cream of the corvids, which was the last straw for the magpies. It pushed them too far. I saw some magpies attacking a crow yesterday, James said. Is that happening more? They've gone crazy, the magpies, attacking any lone crow they see. And worse than that, they've somehow got that fox clan involved. I don't know exactly what they have planned, but the timing smells funny to me. And that attack on the Sentinelms is no coincidence. It was thirty years ago that the Stone of Brighthelm was secured, and we all know what happened back then. James thought for a moment about what the badger might mean. The Great Storm? That was thirty years ago. Exactly. And that storm was a tiddler compared to what might have happened if we hadn't got the stone secured. But what I can't figure out is how the confounded foxes damaged those trees. There's some strong protection around the Sentinelms. They didn't even lose a twig in the Great Storm. And for once, I don't think that you humans could have messed this up. It's something else. The old badger trailed off, lost in his own thoughts. There was so much that James didn't fully understand. What was the Stone of Brighthelm? What would happen if the magpies got hold of it? How did the Twin Elms and the Sentinelms protect the stone? He was about to ask about the stone when the king under the fort regained his thoughts. Now, I've kept you here for long enough, the badger said, rising stiffly from his armchair. The main thing is that the key's safe, and the foxes or the magpies can't steal it. There's not much I can do anymore. I can protect myself and this fort, but the future of the town isn't my concern. I do, however, still have connections, and I still have my spies, and if that stone is stolen, even down here, deep inside the hill, I'll not be safe. Do you understand me? The badger stared hard at James. He wasn't sure he fully understood, but suddenly the huge old creature looked formidable and dangerous. Yes, James managed. Protect the key, and don't let the foxes steal the stone. That's my boy. Now off you go. You can see yourself out. With that, the king under the fort gestured to the door through which they had entered. James wanted to ask more questions, but the badger had already relaxed back into the chair, closed his eyes, and started to snore. James got up and let himself out of the great hall. This time, he turned on his torch to help him traverse the tunnel back to the trig point. He climbed out of the tunnel and pulled the trig point back into position. It was surprisingly light and moved smoothly back into place. He was relieved to see that No-Tail was waiting for him on the path around the fort. The squirrel hopped up onto his shoulder and stayed with him until he reached his front door. He let himself in quietly and waved goodbye as No-Tail sprang up into a nearby tree. As slowly and quietly as he could force himself to move, James climbed the stairs to his bedroom. The first thing he did after getting in bed was to check that the squiducken key was still down the side of his bed. He pulled it out and held it then got out of bed and rummaged through a drawer in his desk. At the back, he found a lanyard that he'd got from a school event. It had a plastic pouch with his name on a bit of card stuffed inside. He unclipped the pouch and clipped the squiducken key onto the end, then hung it around his neck. Feeling better, he climbed back into bed and went to sleep, dreaming of birds and foxes and the great storm. <laughs>